Valley Church, it's so good to be with you. Thanks for clicking in and watching. Uh, we just love being together. Uh, I don't know where you were uh, for the holidays, but some of you were flying. And uh, airlines, they do not mess around. Uh, this has been uh, several years, but I remember speaking at, a, at an event in, uh, in Massachusetts, and I was flying in and out of Boston. And uh, as I was driving to the place uh, where I was speaking, I realized how uh, far where I was speaking was from the airport. And I knew that the next day I needed to fly out by like 3.50. And it was a 90 minute drive. That next day after I was done speaking, I needed to get out, but I didn't get away from the event until about 1.30, which means I arrived at the airport around three o'clock and I still had to return my rental car. After getting all of that taken care of, hustling in to the airport, uh, I, just, I just had such little time. It was a little bit after three at this point. My flight is in less than 40 minutes. And uh, by the way, I don't know what year that we were allowed to start checking into our flights via app, but there was no app, there was no smartphone. I just had to uh, be miserable at a normal pace, just, just uh, the way the world, world worked. And, and I get in there uh, without an app, I find a machine where I'm able to maybe check into the airport and the machine doesn't let me check in. I can't figure it out. It's kind of like my credit card had been denied. It's that moment where I just didn't know what to do. And on the screen, it said, see attendance. So I headed over as quickly as I could to the gate. I explained uh, to the attendant, I need to get on my flight. I don't know what's going on. And she looks at me and she says, well, the plane is actually boarding already. And, and it's going to be done boarding in just a couple of minutes. So the machine won't print out a ticket for you. And in fact, I can't print out a ticket for you. And I'm like, is there, is there anything that you can do? And she looked and, and I was trying to be so kind and she could see that I was desperately trying to get home and I wasn't giving her a hard time. She says, here's what I can do. I can give you a pass that will get you through security and to the gate, but I cannot print you out a ticket. I cannot save your seat. Uh, because the plane just needs to take off when it's ready to take off. And I looked at her and I said, let's do this. And she gave me this security pass. I pulled a pair of rollerblades out of my bag and I said, no, I didn't do that, but I did start hustling. I was on the move. I made my way toward the security gate and I'm not TSA pre-check. I don't fly enough at this time in my life and I just have to wait in line like everybody else. And, and the anxiety is kind of welling up and my nerves are getting to me. I'm starting to sweat because that's what I do. And I'm just like wanting to go. I get to the uh, security gate. Uh, I take off my coat. I take off my watch. I take off my hat. I have to set my bag in there, my laptop in there, take off my shoes and my belt. And I get through security and I'm just waiting for something to go wrong because that's what happens to me when I'm late, right? Nothing went wrong. Everything went great. I get on the other side of security. I grab everything. I push it into my bag. I slap my shoes on. I grab my belt because I'm going to need this for later. And I just grab my waistline and I start running toward the gate and I'm just hustling. I'm going, I'm moving. I hit the escalator and I've got this bag with me. So I use this opportunity to tie my shoes, to put on my belt and I, I'm going up the escalator. I know I'm in the right terminal. I'm getting ready to run in whatever direction I need to, to get to my gate. And all I can think of is gate 11, gate 11, gate 11, gate 11, gate 11, gate 11. And I'm just looking and I get to the top of the escalator and I look at a sign to the left and it says gates one through 10. And I look to the sign on my right and it said gates 12 through 24. One through 10, 12 through 24. I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm in the right place. 
I did everything that I needed to do, and gate 11 is invisible. And I'm just standing there in disarray. I am just getting worked up. My worry is washing all over me. My anxiety is shooting through the roof. And this guy standing by a trash can right in front of me, he looks at me and he says, can I help you? And I said, I don't know what's going on. I've never been to this airport before yesterday and I can't find gate 11. And he's looking at me and he goes, gates one through 10. I go, yeah. And he says, Gates 12 through 24. I said, yeah. He said, are you Brandon Early? I'm like, you know me? You've heard of me? He goes, I, I have heard of you, actually. Uh, he said, the front desk called me and said you were coming. I'm actually the pilot. 1 through 10, 12 through 24. He said, what number's in between 10? And I was like, and I looked, standing right behind him. I was just staring at gate 11 the whole time. It was at the very top of the escalator. It was marked on the door, but it wasn't marked on the sign. And at that very moment, all of my worry, it just washed away. Like when you have a pilot who knows where he's going and your pilot is waiting on you, like there's nothing to worry about. I wish the lady at the front gate would have told me that, that she was at least calling in, but maybe she thought I wouldn't hustle. I was hustling, I would have hustled, but you know, it made me, it made me move maybe a little quicker. My concern, it got the best of me. My concern shifted to worry. Concern is good. There's a lot of things that we should concern ourselves with. But when, when that concern shifts to worry, there's a bit of a problem. Uh, and you know, now, you know, years later, as I'm able to step back from this situation, I can see that it was really just kind of a, an inconvenience. You know, being delayed, catching another flight, even going home the next day, it wasn't the end of the world. It wasn't a crisis moment. And... That's probably how a lot of our worry winds up in our lives. You know, Jesus, he says that there is a tremendous gift inside of worry-free living. Like, if you want to be worry-free by 2023, we can figure this out right now. Actually, Jesus gives us the blueprints, the roadmap. And, and my hope is, is that you and I would have this worry thing all figured out way before 2023 gets here. And Jesus, he lays it all out in Matthew 26. If you have your Bibles or you have your YouVersion Bible app, flip to Matthew chapter 6, click over to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 25 through 34 where uh, Jesus begins this entire section, even a, a chapter before. Like chapters 5, 6, and 7, this is Jesus giving the longest and best sermon he has ever given. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And, and he's just telling people in these three rich chapters how followers of Jesus should live. And so Jesus, you got a picture, he's standing in front of a crowd. I mean, he's giving a sermon and, and all of the crowd is listening. And he says this to them as well as to you and I. This is what he says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Let's close in prayer. No, I mean, wouldn't that be great if we could just obey that command just so easily? He says, do not worry. But there's, there's a lot more going on in this passage. In fact, when, when we look at a, a passage and we see the word therefore, we have to pause and, and go backwards. I mean, we have to go back because everything moving forward is a response to what he had just said prior. So let's look at verse 24 before we go back all the way into 25. He says this, no one can serve two masters. 
This is the context. Since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. You know, Jesus, he's calling out a huge problem here. He says that no one can serve two masters because you're going to be devoted to one and you're going to turn your back on the other. You can only face one direction, right? Because when you face another direction, your back is pointing in the other direction. And so, you know, uh, when, when we put anything in front of our relationship with God, like God gets jealous. He gets frustrated. And what's interesting is when you and I, when we put Jesus at the center of our life, it's like the world gets frustrated, frustrated with us, maybe angry uh, toward us. And, you know, that is enough to cause us to pick sides. That's what Jesus is saying. So if you have your Bible open, actually, I would love it if you'd highlight this. Like this is one of the biggest ahas in scripture. You're going to be devoted to one. You're going to despise the other. And we need to constantly ask ourselves, what are we devoted to? Because I guarantee the things that you and I are devoted to are the things we tend to worry about the most. Back to 25. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or uh, about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? You know, when we boil life down to, to the things that you and I, we want, like we're, we're minimizing life. We're minimizing the life that God has given us. And by the way, Jesus is showing us right here in the passage that things haven't changed much in the past 2,000 years. You know, what's true then is true now. Jesus, he's not only teaching us about what we put uh, on our body, but also what we're putting in our body. He's, he's bringing out a couple of levels here. And remember, the greater context is that we can't serve two masters. Um, yet there are so many things that you and I find ourselves devoted to. You know, Jesus is saying, if you're, if you're following me, uh, you're going to live your life differently. You know, I don't know what's on your list of things that, that maybe you concern yourself over. I don't know what's on your list of things that, that you might find yourself worrying about time after time after time, but it's probably a lot like my list. You know, in, in my list, uh, when I was younger, it was all about dating. You know, like uh, it, it was such an important like thing in my life to, to, to have somebody other than myself, right? Uh, marriage, like I, whereas I was concerned, like it, will, will this woman I'm dating um, say yes? And, and she did. And like, like we had such a great relationship. What, what was I worrying about? I was just concerned, turned to worry. Or, or how about a job? Are, you know, some of you are like, are they going to hire me? Uh, maybe some of you are like, I have the job, but I'm wondering if they're going to fire me. Some of us are, are concerned uh, about getting pregnant. Some of us are, are worrying about our kid's college fund or a house payment, a car payment, a, a relationship, some of our friends, maybe a classmate or, or even a roommate. And Jesus says, isn't life more than just those things? You know, maybe what we need is a new perspective. If you're taking notes, I'd love it if you'd write this down. Uh, maybe our perspective needs to change and we need to get a better view. You know, I was, uh, I was home with my wife's family for Christmas and I was sitting in the car with my father-in-law, Dave, if you're watching, I love you, you're a good man. Uh, we were driving and, and my father-in-law was driving down the road. And uh, I saw this airplane so low to the ground. It was just something to see. It wasn't anything to, to really be worried about, but I was just looking at this plane. I was like, man, it's so low and it's so large. And I just said, look at that plane. And my father-in-law goes, what plane? And I'm like, 
It's huge. Like, just look at the plane. And my kids are in the back seat. You can't see the plane. And all three of us were just like, look at the plane. Look at the plane. And the plane just happened to be uh, where a part of the car was covering the plane. And as we were moving forward, the plane was coming across. And it just stayed in his blind spot the entire time. And sometimes it's just our perspective. We can't see what God wants us to see because we have blind spots. Uh, we just need maybe a new perspective. We might need to get a better view. Some of us are thinking, you know what? I don't need a new perspective. Uh, my focus is fine. The things that are on my list, Brandon, they're, they're actually worth worrying about. It, you see, Brandon, if you would just understand, like uh, if you just knew, like if you knew all that I have worked for, if you would know all that I have gone through in my life, how, how little I had growing up, how much I want to pass on to my kids, how much I want to pass on to my grandkids, you would see the things that are on my list are important. You would see things my way. You would be more understanding of my worry. Let me say this. Don't get me wrong. Like you and I, we get to be concerned about good things. But there's a big difference between being concerned and being consumed. You know, the, the problem isn't spending time on these things. The, the problem is when we're being consumed by these things. Have you ever heard somebody say uh, that they're worried sick? Like that's a real thing. Like you can worry so much that you tremble, you get dizzy, you get anxiety, maybe even worse. You know, worry and anxiety, they rise when someone is consumed by their concern. You know, that's when our concerns are just out of control. If we would just get a better view, if we wouldn't just be concerned with our view, but start viewing things the way God views things, life might be different. If you would just change perspectives, maybe you could see things the way Jesus sees things. Don't let important things crowd out the main things. And then Jesus gives this illustration. He says, consider the birds of the sky. He said, they don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Like he's basically saying, you know, these birds, they don't have bank accounts. These birds, they're not worried about retirement accounts. These birds don't have 529 college accounts for their kids. Your heavenly father knows exactly what you need. And, and, and these birds, they're just getting things done. Like they're not lazy. They're hustling. They're, they're finding the food. But who do you think provided all that? You know, the only bird that sits with its beak wide open waiting for food is a baby bird. You know, more mature birds, they don't do that. They're out working. They're out flying. They're out hunting. They're, they're out there bringing food back to their families. And I'll tell you this, when a mama bird is done feeding her baby birds, do you know what she does? She kind of brings the food. They know she's there, but she stays away from them a little bit to maybe coax them out of the nest. And, and then she gets a little further and a little further. And when those birds follow her, they're growing up. And then do you know what she does? She just pops them off that branch. Like that's what happens to these birds. They just know how things work. God provides for them through his creation. Don't you see how these birds are, are functioning and working? You know, God designed all of that. God created the system that sustains the birds. He's, he's providing all of that through his creation. And he says this, aren't you worth more than they? 
when you see how the birds are taken care of, aren't you worth so much more than that? And some of you might be thinking, Brandon, I just don't see it working. I just can't see it working. And I would just say, maybe write this down in your, in your notes somewhere. Don't put your confidence in the process. Put your confidence in the provider. I don't always know how God's going to do a lot of what he does in my life, but I'm confident that God will come through. I'm confident that God is going to do what he always does. You know, we don't always have to have everything figured out. Uh, this isn't an excuse for us to be unprepared. It, it isn't an excuse to, to just, you know, let stuff happen. It's not uh, a reason to just live this laissez-faire life, but Jesus is asking those who are listening to his sermon, he's saying, do you trust me? Like, do you really trust me? God provides what we need. We see it time after time after time. Now, I know you're, I know you're watching a video screen somewhere, but just, just indulge me. I just want you to shout something for me, all right? On the count of three, I want you to shout out the best place to get unlimited breadsticks, all right? Here we go. One, two, three. I don't know what you shouted, obviously, but for those of you who said Olive Garden, you're wrong. Like, you're just absolutely wrong. There's no way Olive Garden even makes the list. And it's okay, you're still welcome to come to Valley Church. And don't write me any emails. I already have a filter set up. All those emails are going uh, in the recycle bin. I'll tell you the right place, the answer, is Fazoli's, absolutely. Those delicious, hot, warm, dripping, garlicky butter breadsticks. They're just the best thing. They're just so, it may be what manna was. I can't prove that, but I'm telling you, it is so good. Fazoli's, sometimes when you walk into their building, if the line is long, they've got somebody who will bring breadsticks to you while you're in line. They hand them to you in a napkin. By the way, a napkin that you will never use again because the moment that napkin touches that breadstick, it is useless for anything else because it is just sopping with garlic butter. It is so good. And you know what? When we would sit and we would eat uh, this, this pile of, of unlimited garlic breadsticks, there would be a point where my wife was just refusing them. Like they would come by and they would say, you know, hey, uh, would you like breadsticks for the table? And I'm like, yes. And my wife goes, I'm done. And I was like, once, once the breadstick person left, I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm not hungry anymore. And I had to explain to her how the two have become one. And now her breadsticks are my breadsticks. Like you need these breadsticks. And, and what's amazing about these breadsticks is you're just sitting at this restaurant. They just show up. It's like magic. Like you sit there with your food. They give you some to start out with. And then somebody just comes around and they just, they just show up. You don't have to pay for more. You don't have to ring a bell for more. If you run out, you can go to the counter and you can get more. But it's just unlimited. And, and I'll tell you this. Uh, if everything is working right, if everything goes as planned, they're just there. You don't have to worry, but sometimes I do. <laughs> sometimes I'm sitting at the table and I'm like, where's the breadsticks? Where are the breadsticks? And, and then I see the breadstick person, I get butterflies in my stomach and it feels like, you know, I'm getting some breadsticks. And uh, I mean, you all know what butterflies in your stomach over breadsticks are like. And then the Fazoli's breadstick person comes and says, would you like some breadsticks? And I would say, absolutely, I'll take 10. And she's like, well, wait, well, how about five? And I was like, well, I was gonna eat five and I was gonna let the rest of the table each have one of the 10, so I could get five. And, and she's like, hey, you know what? Um, why don't I just give you enough to eat now and then I'll come back? Because you don't want too many breadsticks at your table to where they get cold. And I'm just like, this is brilliant. I love hot breadsticks. And you know what happens? 
they just come back. And the breadsticks, they just come. It's part of the deal. They're provided. They're just there. To become concerned about something that is always going to be provided is nonsense. Jesus knows this. And Jesus says, God knows what you need. God, he's always providing. God is always at work. He never abandons his people. That's part of the plan. That's what he does. But Brandon, I'll tell you this. I'm not a bird. Like I get Jesus talking about, I'm not a bird. You know, my problems are bigger than that. And I would say, yes, you do have a problem. And it's, and it's not a breadstick problem. It's not a bird problem. It's a, it's a trust problem. You know, look at, look at Job 40 verse 9. Uh, scripture says this. I love this. Do you have an arm like God? Can you, can you thunder with a voice like his? Or, or Luke 1 51. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has, he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Or Psalm uh, 89, 13. Um, you have, just talking to God, a mighty arm. Your hand is powerful. Your right hand is lifted high. Look at all of these verses and, and actually so many more talk about the arm of God. Not the arms of God. I just think that's so cool. And, and I don't know if you can imagine that, if you can picture that. But scripture is revealing that what seems like a problem to us is no problem for God. In fact, he can do it with one arm tied behind his back. He's just sweeping across everything with one arm. And we're just trying to make life happen. And we're getting exhausted and we're getting worried. And God's like, let me get this. I just love that. God has control. God has all the power he needs to provide for our needs. Uh, and there is a problem. And if you're taking notes, I'd love it if you'd write this down. The problem is that our efforts are empty. They're just empty. Like it doesn't matter how hard we work, Jesus says. He says you're not going to end up getting fully what you're working for. You know, um, he says this in verse 27. Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? No. Our efforts are worth what a, what a huge problem. Jesus reminds the crowd that he's teaching that our worry is not working. You know, it's not, it's not going to add a single day. It's not going to add a single hour. Jesus says it's not even going to add a single moment to your life. But actually, if you think about it, not worrying does add time to your life. Have you ever been sitting with somebody and they, they're just telling you a story and you are bored out of your mind? What do you say? Well, that's an hour I'm never going to get back. You just sit through something and you're like, that was a waste of my time. What do you say? Well, that's time I'm never going to get back. If you and I, if we could just stop worrying, just think about all the time we could recoup to invest in what matters most. You know, when we're focused on the main thing instead of worrying about something, uh, we, may get, we may get some of that time back. And, and we can definitely, you know, looking forward, avoid that trap. And then Jesus dips into a second illustration in verse 28. He says, and, and why do you worry 
about clothes. So Jesus, he talked about the birds and what they're putting in the body. Now he's going to talk about wildflowers and what we put on our body. So we're looking in our body, on our body. It's like two levels that Jesus is communicating to us about. He says, he says, uh, observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor. They don't spin. Like you and I, we tend to, we tend to labor. We tend to spin. Flowers, they're not laboring to look better. They're, they're, not, they're not creating this new exterior. They're not whining to other plants. Oh, if I had more chlorophyll, life would be better. They just are beautiful. They don't worry about how they look. God created them and they are good. And look at verse 29. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, you might remember Solomon, uh, he was the wisest. And, and not only the wisest person at that time, he was also incredibly wealthy. He says, I tell you that, that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. He's saying, you know what? It doesn't matter how much money you have. Solomon had so much money, there's nothing that he could do to create something for himself that was more beautiful than what God created for these flowers. It's like Jesus is saying, well, what are you doing? God's just gonna provide for his people. That's what he does. And, and when I labor and when I spin over these things that don't matter, when my concerns grow out of control, that's an attack on my faith. God will continue to provide for his people. Look at, look at verse 30. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown in the furnace tomorrow, in other words, just very temporary, uh, won't he do much more for you? I love that. Won't he do much more for you than these temporary things that are just here for such a short time. And then he says this, you of little faith, that stings a little bit. You know, when I, like uh, Jesus says, the flowers don't labor and spin, when I labor and spin over things that don't matter, when, when my concerns grow out of control, that's an attack on my faith. And the unfortunate thing is that attack on my faith, the charge is usually led by me because I'm letting worry in. And then Jesus sums it all up in verse 31. He says this, so don't worry, don't worry. He just recaps everything that we've talked about. Don't worry saying, what will I eat or what will I drink or what will I wear? These are good things, by the way. You should note that these are good things. You can think about them, but you don't need to be consumed with what you put in your body. You don't need to be consumed with what you put on your body. It's important, but it's not worth worrying about. And then Jesus says something that's a little bit shocking. And I, want, I just want to say this up front. I'm not telling you this. I'm just going to read from Scripture because this actually has a bit of a sting to it. It's a little unsettling. In verse 32, Jesus says this. All of these things that we just talked about, every single thing, the Gentiles... The Gentiles eagerly seek all of these things. And some translations use the word pagan. People who are far from God. People who are not yet following Jesus. For the, for the pagans, they eagerly seek all of these things. And yet your heavenly father, he knows what you need. So Jesus is saying, you know what? All these things that I'm asking you not to worry about, you know who worries about things? The pagans worry about things. People, people who are non-believers worry about things. These idol worshipers that live in your neighborhoods, they worry about things like this. Do you, know, do you know people who are against God and people who don't even believe there is a God? That's how they live. But Jesus says, not you. To those of you who are followers of Jesus, you are different. 
He says this in verse 33. But you, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Like seek is so much more than see. Like seek means to run after. You've played hide and go seek, right? You don't just sit in a chair and look around. Like it's not a passive game. You got to get up. You got to move. You got to go after that person. You have got to be concerned with where they are and you got to go get them. That's, that's what he's saying. Go after these kingdom things, but not just go after these kingdom things. Also run after his righteousness. Jesus says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness side by side. This is something that needs to happen simultaneously. Righteousness, if you're taking notes, righteousness simply means the right things. True followers of Jesus hunger and thirst for the right things. And that's where we find satisfaction. You know, this isn't too, too uh, complicated that we can't understand it or too complex that we can't obey it. Our perspective problem might simply be that you and I aren't concerned with the things that concern God. You know, if we really want to seek first the kingdom of God, like we've got to be concerned with the things that he's focusing on, that he's concerned about. And I'll tell you this, like he's been using his people and he is using his people and his church. And that's us, by the way, to, to mend broken relationships, to, to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and hurting world. Like that's why we exist. Those are kingdom first things. Uh, in fact, let me just read something to you. I received an email this week that, that I just want to pass on a portion of this to you. Um, a portion of the email said, I could pass this on to anyone on my team. And I'll tell you this, when I look at the people of Valley Church, like we're the same team. So uh, this is good. This is a good place to share. Um, uh, this is a letter about our, our Blitz Middle School All Night event, which you know is crazy awesome. 700 plus middle school students and leaders were at this thing. And uh, this is what the email says. Junior High Blitz was a blast. I got to go this year as a leader and it is always fantastic. The event is fun and it's fun to come to as a leader. I went myself as a middle school student. This year, we had multiple of our students cross the faith line and put their trust in Jesus for the very first time. I don't know about you, but I'm already getting goosebumps just reading this. One of our students uh, during the last song turned to me and said, hey, I'm now a man of God. After praying the prayer, I feel like a new person. I'm so excited that I gave my life to God. You know, the email goes on. We, we have been praying for this student as he has been coming with friends for a while to ministry. He's been fun to talk to since Blitz and consistently coming and invested. God uses moments at Blitz for his glory. Thank you for creating space for students to encounter God, connect with peers, and to have a ton of fun. It's something our students look forward to each year we bring them and they bring friends. Keep up the good, hard, and holy work. I love that. I absolutely love that. This, that that's, that's kingdom work. That's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness work. So many of you have taken the challenge of being bridge builders uh, in our city, to our city, building bridges to those who are not yet following Jesus. It's just in the DNA of Valley Church. And, and the youth ministry here at Valley Church is Jesus-centered. It's gospel-focused. They, they are building bridges, but they're not just building bridges. They're crossing those bridges with the gospel, and I absolutely love it. It's what we're called to do. 
And, and when, when we start worrying, it's in those moments where we need to pivot. We need to get a new view, a new perspective. We need to start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness before we do anything else. Shifting that perspective from, from what's consuming us to what's actually concerning God uh, can bring a, a whole new measure of life change to you. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And here's a promise. And all of these things will be provided to you. All, now, maybe not in the way that you think, but God is going to take care of you. You're worrying about food. Uh, you, it might not be, you know, seven days a week of steak dinners, but he's providing. You know, he's providing what we put in our body. He's providing what we put on our bodies. He is the provider. And that promise, if you're taking notes, the promise is that God will give you what you need. You and I will have what we need. It's a promise from scripture. God will take care of all of those other things. You and I, like we can trust him. When we look at his nature, we know that we can trust him. And, and we can know he will when we look at how faithfully he has responded in the past. So when we look at this passage, should we worry? Absolutely not. Are we allowed to be concerned with things? 100%. But let's not mindlessly spend time on things that don't matter most. And before Jesus moves on to a new topic in his sermon, he closes this section by saying this. Therefore, everything we've just talked about, right? Everything that we've just talked about, he, he just says this, don't worry. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Some of you might be watching tonight. You might be experiencing this uh, maybe here this weekend at Valley Church, maybe at a later time, just checking in to say, you know what? Life has been troublesome. Life's been tough. I have been through some things that I don't want to go through again and that I'm sitting through that I just don't want to sit through and I need some rescue. And I'll tell you this, some, some of you, uh, you know, you're looking for rescue in, in, in all of the wrong places. Jesus says the rescue first comes from him. Uh, we can start new. We can start fresh through the person of Jesus. And, and maybe you didn't know that clicking in. Maybe you didn't know that walking through the doors that only a relationship with Jesus can make you new. God knows exactly what you need. And, and it all starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I would just remind you, uh, you, maybe you've heard this. If you're just clicking in for the first time, here's a verse that maybe you've heard. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you. Uh, he loves you so much. He sent his son to die for you. And when we put our faith and trust and hope in the person of Jesus Christ, we receive this eternal gift of salvation. Scripture also says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in the heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So uh, maybe today's the day where you say, I'm going to start following Jesus. Jesus is my king, and I am going to start seeking his kingdom. Hey, love you guys. I'm so thankful that you joined us this weekend, and uh, can't wait to see you.